welcome to Retirement Diaries, a new podcast and YouTube series where I talk to people living and learning in their own epic retirement journeys. It's real, it's raw, and it's personal. I'm Beck Wilson, the author of How to Have an Epic Retirement, and I'm passionate about helping people prepare for the 30-year-plus epic retirement they have ahead of them. You can sign up for my regular newsletter at epicretirement.net. I simply want you to learn how to have an epic retirement and not just from me, but from the millions of other people living their epic retirement right now. Hello, I'm Beck Wilson and I'm here with Ken Moffat. Ken used to be the head of the Darwin branch of the Australian Association of Independent Retirees and on their national board executive. And now He's developing a business to help retiree, pre-retirees better navigate their retirement called Pathways to Retiring. Ken, tell us a little bit more about what you're doing. Um, thanks, Beck, and, uh, and welcome to this. It's been great. Um, look, the, uh, the idea came that I was um, trying to give seminars for people who were retired, and I found that the people who I, going to, I was going to impact most were those people who still had one to 20 years left um, still in the workforce. Uh, where there's lots of options to uh, create a better uh, retirement, both uh, financially and personally. And that's what I really wanted to do. And I've been running seminars now for the last um, six months. That's awesome. Uh, and so we're going to have a, a chat with Ken today about all things retirement. Um, most importantly, Ken's got some really good good perspective on superannuation, on the journey. How, how long have you been retired for, Ken? Um, just under 18 years now. Yeah, so he's got great perspective that we can all see and apply to our own lives uh, as we look look forward into retirement. Ken, superannuation has worked for you over time, uh, and I'd love you to tell us the story of how your superannuation fund has worked over time so that other people can, can hear about it. Well, a little bit of the history. If we go back to 2005 when we, uh, we basically retired, um, everything was hunky-dory. We'd made the decision that we were going to sell up in Sydney and so therefore we really didn't give ourselves a return journey back to Sydney uh, because by selling up our house, we uh, really lost the opportunity to go back and rebuy in Sydney. As you know, in property, you can't um, sell out of a market that's moving and try and get back into it. So look, that was one of the, the issues that we really didn't have a final solution for. But we decided that we were going to travel for five years or 10 years or even 15 years. And um, so that was great. And then two or three years later, we had a thing called a GFC. And that really put a, a very large spanner in the works of um, anybody in and planning for retirement. Uh, at one stage, we lost up to 45% of our super balance. And that meant that we had to take a different perspective to um, either go back to work or if we were going to stay in retirement, we needed to be, um, I think, a little bit more aggressive in the way we dealt with building and maintaining our superannuation balances. And that's what we did. Yeah, wow. And, and over the years, you've seen it go. You, you actually got to a point where you were really comfortable to retire and self-fund your retirement. Yeah, so and then you saw uh, at the outset, we, we had the objective of, uh, of being self-funded. Um, and I think on, on my 95th birthday, um, which was when I predicted that I'd probably my own demise, um, there was going to be actually zero in the bank uh, account. So um, that was the plan. Um, but plans um, yeah. have a, a brutal habit of, of um, catching up with reality. And so what we had to do from 2005 or 2007 or 8 onwards, 
we found that we needed to um, approach our superannuation very similar to the people who were in their 30s and 40s. We needed to uh, get into a, a strong growth structure. And so part of it was about educating ourselves in terms of what could we do and how could we do it. That meant <coughs> looking at things like how do you trade, um, particularly in the stock market, um, and what sort of asset classes are going to give you the best returns. Um, and that was something that we kind of like took on uh, and we took it on as our next career path, which was to manage our superannuation. And so that was a journey for us that took uh, a most part of about five years where we learned to self-advise. Uh, so we now um, don't work through an advisor, but we actually do all the research we want around all of the uh, issues that we have. We got really involved in diversification, which is an important aspect. And although we don't get the same sort of returns as some of the industry funds when the market goes at 25%, um, they also tend to lose money when the market goes negative. Whereas our portfolio is much more in a balanced sense. So we've always had gains going through, but just not as big and just not as small, uh, and just not as big a loss either. So it was about a balance. And I guess after... 17 years, we still have over two thirds of the overall balance in our superannuation fund. So that um, has been a, a journey and that has been something that we've been monitoring. And uh, I guess with things like the stock market, what we've done is we've taken advantage of um, stocks that are overpriced and sold them. And we've looked for stocks that are well underpriced and should perform better in the future. We also went through a period of, of trying to maximize um, dividends and interest rates. And look, it was absolutely fantastic uh, many years ago when Westpac was giving 8% interest for five years on a term deposit. Unfortunately, that came to an abrupt end when interest rates hit 0.1%. Um, so that was a sort of another thing. Yeah. We've had over three years of interest rates below 1%. And that has been a brutal uh, realization for a lot of people in, reti in retirement. So you had to then make some adjustments and you then had to look at where were you going to get the gains uh, to actually help with what it is that you're doing. So that's sort of been pretty much the journey over the period of time. It's, it's really interesting. It's not for all retirees that type of approach, is it? No, it's not. But I think that um, if you're not going to take the time and do it yourself, then you've got to consider paying somebody else to do the hard yards for you. Now, the thing that's very difficult is getting that person to be in the same zone, in the same mindset as you, so that they can clearly understand your objectives. I think we can live without financial planners in the next phase and, and super funds. I think for people who don't have a balance that, that is, is sizable enough to go to a financial planner, um, they are ultimately at, at, the, at the need of their super fund who manages a large portfolio and can, you know, I guess, consume that amount of money into the portfolio and manage a larger portfolio. Uh, Look, I think it's... Should get some pretty good returns. Yeah. So let's talk about what you've learned about, and, and we all talk about a comfortable retirement, right? The, the Australian Association of Super Funds um, has set the benchmark for a comfortable retirement today at $70,482 for a couple and $50,000 and $4 for a single person to live 
in comfort. Now, that only accounts for one holiday every seven years internationally and domestic holidays um, every year to see your children, basically, or family members. It doesn't account for any of the, the epic retirement experiences that I talk about, but the, the comfortable budget is meant to cover your basic cost of living. Now, you've been living in retirement. Tell me how that feels, uh, a comfortable budget to you. So the ASFA uh, limit has only just been upgraded to 70000 It used to be sixty, around about the 65 mark, and some years ago, well, I think it was even in the 50s. Um, however, yeah, one of the one of the the issues that we found, and we live in Darwin, so so that's um, a um, if you like, in some respects, a remote um, outpost. Um, but uh, the ter- there's a bit, bit of tyranny of distance, and so Darwin is is a little bit more expensive uh, a jurisdiction to live in, for a couple of reasons. It's harder to get um, good quality, cross the board, organic and fresh produce. Yes, we do get some locally, but um, there's a lot we don't get hold of. The other thing is that um, all materials have to come in, and, and virtually everything comes into Darwin via Adelaide. Uh, and so there's a cost of being able to transport things into Darwin. So that's one reason. One of the other things that I think is perhaps missing a little bit in what I, the way ASFA looks at this is that as you um, start to age, you also start to incur more costs from a medical perspective. Um, it's trying to keep the, the, yourself healthy. It's trying to keep yourself upright. It's trying to keep yourself moving. All of those things become quite important. And we've noticed over time that the cost of maintaining um, our own health and well-being has increased year on year on year. So that's another one of the reasons why um, it's a little bit more expensive. Plus, um, Darwin isn't the cheapest place to go and see your friends and relatives. Um, and although we don't do it all that often, uh, one of the things we've done is we've bought ourselves a caravan, and so we actually do a few things on the road. But even petrol's not cheap. So the idea is that um, there is a cost to being able to uh, being so remote and then being able to go and visit family and friends. But I have to say that um, our broad cost of living, and, and um, I'm not talking about us going out and, and having fine dining meals all the time, etc., is nearer than ninety thousand. Right, and um, yeah. and that doesn't take into account our holidays. So none of the international mm-hmm. stuff, and and to a large degree, um, not so much catching up with um, uh, with family and stuff, but more um, the uh, a holiday that you can call a holiday, which we like to do a little bit in in mm-hmm. uh, retirement. It doesn't include too much of that. So the idea is that that um, I find that seventy thousand for a comfortable living is quite an underestimate. And we have been uh, for uh, at least 10 years and longer, um, except when we were traveling around Australia, which at the time wasn't a relatively inexpensive way to travel. But um, since we've come to Darwin, and that's been around about 14 years, we've found that um, it's closer to the 90,000, not the 70,000. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And just, can I ask, does that include a mortgage or a rent, a rent budget? No, that's I mean the the theory now. Unfortunately, we do have a mortgage at the moment because we've recently moved, but that it should be being sold at some point in time uh, in the not too distant future because it's not really viable for people who are retired to actually have a mortgage. Um, so that's just something that we need to solve in the short term. But um, 
No, it's not about rent. We own our own place. Um, but the, the cost of servicing um, accommodation in the Northern Territory, whether it's rental or whether it's um, owning, is quite high because uh, our um, strata levies for um, units and townhouses um, is much, much higher. Um, we seem to be being hit very badly with um, increased insurance costs. I'm sure that this is an Australia-wide problem, but uh, we do have things like cyclones up here. And so we are um, impacted uh, by that. Um, but I think we also happen to also get levies from things like the, the floods and the fires that have occurred in and around Australia. Yeah. But it is quite expensive. Um, but yes, it includes um, the the concept of um, servicing your uh, accommodation, whatever that may be. All right. Now, can I get to the, the question of the day? Uh, and that is, you've had a pretty epic retirement experience in your caravan in Sydney, Australia. Tell us about it. Well, um, uh, very quickly, we 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 had a, we went to a party in two thousand and three, and somebody said it was travelling around Australia. We said, "Well, that's what we want to do," and they said, "Well, why are you waiting?" And that's what prompted us to say, "Well, why are we waiting?" And so, a couple of years later, we'd sold our Sydney home of twenty three years and bought a, a four wheel drive and a camper trailer, and we travelled around Australia for five years, and it was more than epic. It was absolutely sensational. And just for anybody who's thinking of travelling around Australia, if you travel um, clockwise, it's different from it than if you travel anti-clockwise. So the idea is you can you can actually experience a new trip by going in the other direction. Right? It's it's just so much fun, and Australia is such a wonderful place to see. Yeah. Right. Tell me more about the clockwise versus anti-clockwise, or, or what okay. So you're always travelling down the road in a different clockwise. direction. So you've got, you're looking yeah. at the, you're looking at Australia from a different perspective. And um, look, there are some beautiful parts uh, in Australia. There's um, bits in southern Western Australia, the Kimberley, uh, North Queensland, uh, Tasmania, uh, Victoria. Look, the, the, Australia is a wonderful country to travel around. I think it's a little busier now than it used to be, but it is a fabulous place to travel around. We had the advantage whereby we did a lot of camping. We did a lot of national parks. We did a lot of um, uh, state forests, um, uh, which kept a lot of our costs down. But we would um, we would just see everything. And um, my partner Sue, she was um, fanatical about wanting to take every road and explore, and that's what we did. As we went up just about every road there was to go up, and so we did a lot of exploring. And when we went to go to camp, it wasn't, you know, let's just camp here, it's, let's have a look around. You know? So we did a little bit of that. And, uh, yeah, look, it, it really is a great country to travel in and it's a great thing to do in retirement, not something you're going to do forever. And we ended up uh, after five years, which was a little short of when we thought we were going to be travelling, uh, in a place called Darwin. And uh, it's one of those things where you spend more than about six months in Darwin and the chances are you'll end up living there. Really? Oh, that's a beautiful story. The uh, and, and, and any big lessons for anybody that is thinking about having a five-year around Australia uh, caravanning trip and selling up the, the city house and, and leaving, what, what is the big lesson? Well, you, I think you've got to have a, a bit of a strategy for what's going to happen at the end of it. Um, I think we had, we had money in super, but we also, um, through our baby booming days, had got a little involved in property, so we had an investment property, which we, uh, when we sold up in Sydney, we were able to pay off. 
We had another one which was neutrally geared. And so the idea was that that would ultimately become what we would um, purchase some sort of new um, accommodation in. But we knew that we weren't going to be able to come back to Sydney. So um, it was certainly going to be a more modest place than uh, where we lived on the lower North Shore in Sydney. Um, but that was okay. That was a decision that we were happy with. Um, I think um, the, the idea that you should have some strategy for what's going to happen at the end of your travelling time, uh, because um, travelling is also a health and fitness thing as well. Um, it's great while you've got all um, your, your, uh, your marbles and all your health and fitness, but um, once it starts to become a challenge, you may need to think of an alternative. So you've got to have that sort of plan in place. And, and clearly, that hasn't been a problem yet. It hasn't been a problem yet. I mean, we still do some caravanning, not not anywhere near the aggressive sort that we did before. Um, and I think that that it's something that we you do need to look at is you are going to slow down. You are going to potentially have some issues somewhere along the line. And, and it's really worth getting out and about and doing the things that you want to do while you can. It's really important to get out and do the more adventurous, the more fun things while you can, because there may come a time when that gets restricted and we just don't know when that's going to be. All right? So it's the, the message is very much live for today. All right? um, and uh, I guess we always planned that we would spend more money in the early stages right, with our holidays and so forth, and that's what we've done. Um, we can slow down later on, um, and we're not really into jumping on cruises for 365 days a year around the world. That doesn't really interest us all that much. So um, our idea is to uh, – we love driving holidays. We've done driving holidays in places like Namibia uh, and in Italy and places like that, as well as Australia. And, and Iceland, um, and that was a, a fantastic place to drive around as well. So it's it's about taking advantage of your your youth, your health, your fitness while you can. Uh, we were lucky to be able to uh, retire a little bit early, uh, and so therefore we've taken full advantage. And after 17 years, um, I'm still rocking. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's um, full, full steam ahead, and uh, I'm just looking for the next opportunity. And... What I'm trying to do is having spent 17 years in the mode of being retired and planning and executing a, a retirement strategy. And we didn't start with truckloads, but uh, it's about having people take the best use of what they've got. I love to talk about retirement side hustles, and that's another conversation. But, but I think it's exciting that 17 years into retirement, you're starting a retirement side hustle effectively. Yeah, well, I mean, we've got another 20 years to go. So, I mean, you know, for many, this is the starting know, point. So we've just got a 17-year head start on yeah. it. <laughs> I love it. Ken Moffat, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ken. Uh, and we'll look forward to speaking with you again here on Epic Retirement. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to Retirement Diaries, a new podcast and YouTube series where I tell real stories about the ingredients of an epic retirement. These are true stories from people living it. Sign up for our newsletter at epicretirement.net and be sure to follow us wherever you get your pods.